I'm Luke Kelly, and I'm the founder of the Line and Length Movement, dedicated to ripping the covers off mental health stigma. After a rough spell with my mental health, I contacted a large number of mates to come together to play a game of cricket with a very unique point of difference. In between innings, a supportive platform was provided where those who felt comfortable showing some vulnerability openly spoke about their personal mental health journey. Thus, the Line and Length Movement was born. While we are not mental health experts on this podcast, we are always here to support. So if you or anyone you know is feeling a bit flat, please have a talk to the experts like Lifeline, Beyond Blue, or a medical professional. Today's episode is sponsored by Picker Financial Solutions. The support that Justin Picker is providing will go a long way in assisting the line and length movement in ripping the covers off mental health. While we here at Line and Length focus on mental health, Pick Up Financial Solutions can help you with your financial health. And now onto this week's episode of This Is Your Line and Length. G'day everyone, uh, welcome to this week's episode of This Is Your Line and Length. Uh, I'm your host Aiden, joined here by Kells and this week's guest, Jay Matheson. Uh, how are we today, fellas? Yeah, I'm going real well, thanks Aiden. Really pumped that Matho on the show. I'm great, boys. Cannot wait to uh, to get stuck in. Been, been really looking forward to having a chat with you guys and uh, and yeah, try to be part of the uh, be part of the positive message that we're putting out there. Awesome. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you for being a part. Thank you for reaching out to, to sort of join us. Um, mate, I just, I've got to start by saying you've always had that sort of larger, larger than life personality uh, ever since I met you on job. Um, and you, you continued that into, uh, from what I understand, straight out of uni going into Kentucky. Um, is that, is that where your first step was? Or, you know, what did you do after I, after you left uni and I, I didn't get to see you anymore? Yeah. yeah, well, it was unfortunate that we didn't get to catch up enough, but um, I spent about 18 months um, saving to, to go over to Europe. I, I worked for in horse syndication for a little bit, um, sort of doing media and sales and that, um, and then uh, didn't really have enough money to, to get overseas, but went anyway, um, and uh, <laughs> spent, spent the best part of the next two years, um, firstly travelling around for six months, and um and then moved to London, and uh, and then from there got a job with Kentucky, which uh, you know I, I loved most of most of my time there. Um, there was certainly a, a lot of hard times, and you often didn't know um, you know when your next paycheck or how much a pay, next paycheck was going to be. But um, yeah, there were some some really nice times that were in there um, for the most part. Jay, how did you fall into this line of Kentucky work? I mean. There's a fair few people out there that have been on Kentuckys, um, but haven't found themselves, I guess, employed by Kentucky. What was the uh, magic trick you think for you? Uh, I wouldn't say there's any trick, mate. Um, you know, I appreciate that. You know, as sort of Aiden said, I suppose I'm one of those more talkative kind of characters that uh, that that you meet to put yeah. it uh, in a nice way, I suppose. But um, yeah. yeah, I went to Kentucky myself, and I had a had a great time and I was with a few mates, um, actually a couple of the boys or one of the boys who does line and length now in Court Ward and then a couple of other mates and um, just really loved it. And speaking to my guide throughout that, she sort of gave me a little bit of a push saying, oh yeah, this might be something that, that would be good for you. And 
I didn't think too much of it uh, at first. And then sort of the more I thought about it, I thought, well, what a cool lifestyle it would be to, to travel around and, uh, and get to meet new people and, and have a few beers and um, yeah. yeah, get to, you know, see all the sights. So, um, and every year I pretty much came back, particularly as you've probably heard before, Kel and, and a few of the others who, you know, through line and length, I always said, oh, you know, just one more year and then I'll be back sort yeah. of thing. And one year pretty quickly turned into the seven or eight years and going from Kentucky onto Trafalgar. And um, yeah, like I said, it was, uh, it was a pretty addictive in, in a lot of ways. So uh, yeah. What's the stepping stone, Jay, in terms of getting a, a, that gig at Kentucky? I mean, is there much um, work that goes into that? I mean, are there cool week-long courses going into it or do you just rock up and here's your Kentucky batch? Good luck. Yes. <laughs> no, it's, um, it's a good question, Kel. There's a, there's a lot more than probably what you think because um, everyone, when you, when you say, oh, particularly to a young guy that you're a Kentucky guide, um, they go, oh, how good, you know, you're you get pissed and uh, you get to travel around and that's all, all it really is. But so for our, just to get in, we went through our interview process, you know, group interview and normal interview, like everything. And then to prep us um, going on, we had to write an assignment and my assignment was around about 150,000 words. So uh, a, a novel. <laughs> and uh, and then that's more, what you, that's more than what you pumped out of uni. Yeah, exactly. By about six times, uh, mate. Um, and I spent, and I couldn't quite start that one the night before either. So um, <laughs> yeah, I had to um, had to actually spend some time researching. So went through all that, and then yeah, come onto a, a training um, course that goes for ten weeks. Uh, and through that, you know, you uh, it is changing a little bit these days, but you're very deprived of sleep. Um, you have to do talks on each places. Yeah, you're sitting up writing talks. And while you're on the coach, as you're going around, it's, you know, in five minutes time, we'll get a talk from Jay, you get up, you deliver a talk. And um, one of the things they originally tried to do was try to focus a little bit on uh, on the negatives because the things that we saw out on the road um, were some pretty heavy, heavy kind of things. Um, you think of all the great, you know, drinking stories and fun times. And, and for all of those that, you know, there were stacks of those, but there's those other times where, you're dealing with with people who um who have ment mental health issues um with uh with you know um, possible um incidents of you know alleged sexual assaults and, and all of those kind of things that you never really think could could possibly come up so they really want to make sure that you're hardened and ready to take um you know ready to hear those things and if and if you can't sort of get through those you're, you're either given the option to leave or or they'll ask you to leave but if you get through that 10 weeks um, with all the, you know, study sort of behind you and, and, and the sort of grown you into a, a guide like that, uh, you get to go out and you have 53 people that you lead, lead blindly around Europe for the uh, for a while. So, um, yeah. yeah. Mate, that's some, that's some pretty heavy stuff that they kind of prepare you for. Um, did they give you a lot of assistance with dealing that, with that mentally or did you kind of have to build that resilience on your own? Um, no, I'd, I'd say it's probably something you'd, you'd, you'd learn on your own. Um, with something like, uh, with a lot of those issues, they, because they're so personal and very touchy, I suppose, areas, um, everyone has their own way of sort of getting to, uh, to that kind of level. Um, some people are a little bit more, you know, 
I'll be there for you. Some people are like, well, if you need me, I'm over here, but I'm not going to be right there. And every case is a little bit different. And it is one of those things that I learned that um, uh, really probably hurt my mental health as well. Um, listening back to some of the other boys on the podcast, particularly um, when Kel was on, um, one of the things that I realised was that I was putting sort of everyone else before I put myself because, you know, that's what I thought my role was. And when that sort of went away from that kind of thing, it was like, well, hang on, you know, there's something not quite right with me as well. And the way I tried to almost get away from the things that weren't right with me was by like, well, how can I help this person out? I can help them. And, and I know that's me doing the right thing and sort of neglected myself a little bit. So they've certainly got better in, and just like we have, um, as time has gone on, the, the Travel Corporation, who's my, you know, was my big employer, they've really helped as time has gone on with our mental health and, and looking into that and knowing when you need a break. But, you know, 10 years, eight, 10 years ago, it was still very yeah. much in its infancy. So um, it's something they've, they've got better at, I think, as time's gone on. Mate, what... What is it that you do? Like you, you're on a bus with 53 people for, you know, up, up to like, I think a couple of Contiki's go for like up to eight weeks. How is it that you kind of looked after your own mental health once you realized that was an important thing for you when you really don't have a lot of time to yourself? Um, uh, it was a struggle. It was a, it was a real struggle. The first, I, um, I probably didn't realize how much I was struggling Um uh, until line and length came up in, in its very first year. Um, a little bit like all of us, that, that stigma attached with it, uh, you know, I'm, I was Jay, I'm the joker, I'm the, you know, the one who's there to make everyone laugh and have a good time. And um, until sort of we had the very first cricket game, which I'm so glad Kelly invited me along to and I managed to get to in, in Sydney because I was back. Um, it's the first time I'd really sort of spoken to anyone like, this is taking a toll on me, um, you know, being with other people. Um, and I think that was sort of the catalyst for me trying to turn things around. And some of the things I tried originally were um, trying to get a little bit more healthy. Um, I was in a fairly toxic relationship at that stage, not because of who I was with, but just because we were two big personalities that didn't quite match. Um, and, um, and I was, yeah, I was just, I was unhealthy in my eating habits, in my drinking habits, in my, you know, the people that I hung out with all the time sort of thing. And, and I realised that that sort of all had to change. Jay, I saw a, um, saw a photo today just doing a little bit of a Facebook stalking as preparation as I like to do for these podcasts. Um, I recall seeing a photo of you when you, you lost 20 kilos over a, a reasonably short amount of time. Do you just mind running us through, like, what was your... I guess your motivation for that what was your mentality uh, through all that and I guess um, the results after that how you felt afterwards yeah um it was like I said it was sort of that that time when we talked about it I I remember stepping on um I was in New Zealand um at the start of uh when was the first line link 2018 okay. uh yeah 20, yeah Jan 2018 2018 yeah um I've been in New Zealand um on a Kentucky as a guest um, with uh, with my partner at the time, I went to go do a bungee jump and stepped on the scales, and I swear I almost broke them. 
Um, it was, uh, I, was a, I was 104, 105 kilos or something along those lines. And I just sort of didn't know how I'd let myself get to that and came back and had line and length and couldn't, could barely run a single in the cricket game uh, without, you know, sucking some really deep ones. Um, and I thought this is where I've, I've got to change it. I've got to change. Um, you know, I know it's okay to have a drink every now and then, but I've really got to change what I'm eating, um, how often I'm eating and, and particularly my fitness. And that's where I started um, running a lot. Uh, and I found running one of, uh, it's been a, it's been a lifesaver in a lot of ways for me. It, and those endorphins are going and stuff and you start clearing your head and um, you get out there and you get some time with yourself to put things in a, in perspective, I guess. Um, I hadn't had that for a long time because I'd been quite unhealthy for a long time, you know, lots of four and 5am nights and waking up at six o'clock and trying to be the happiest person of all time. So um, that's what I started doing. I started watching what I I was eating as much as I possibly could while I was on tour. Um, and, uh, and probably when I was drinking, which was still probably an unhealthy amount, but at least sort of taking notice of what I was drinking. So staying away from sugary kind of things and um, sticking to things like vodka sodas and Aperol spritz and, Still love them today. So, <laughs> yeah. Jay, I actually remember um, a little, I guess, going back a little story is that me and you ran into each other just coincidentally in Koh Samui in Thailand. Um, <laughs> and we, obviously, naturally, we went to the bar and you ordered vodka waters. And I was like, mate, what's going on here? Vodka waters. It's like TV static. I couldn't drink that. And you said, mate, like, I can't drink anything else. Like, just don't want to put on weight, you're over alcohol. Like, what's it like running these Kentikis when you're just expected to drink, but you're also mindful now that alcohol, you know, is a depressant and makes you gain weight? Like, how are you trying to balance that up? Was vodka water your only answer or did you just have to say no? Run us through, can you run us through that, what it was like for you? Yeah, so, I mean, there's certainly times when you you have to say no and... I, I was never good at saying no. Um, having gone to uni with you boys, you know, I didn't, I, we're all probably a little bit guilty of it at certain times, but I'd certainly put myself right at the top of the list. I didn't really need much of an excuse to, to, to what I thought was to go and have a good time. Um, but um, one of the big changes, I think with my last, when I was sort of finishing up with Kentucky, the good thing was I was moving over to who I work for. I guess I kind of still, I'm, I'm on the books still there with Trafalgar, but, um, and they're an open age kind of group. Um, and when I say open age, I mainly work with early retirees. So the idea of going out to 4am and, and dancing at a, you know, at a club isn't really their go. They like to have a good time. They like to have a drink and all the rest, but they go to bed at, at sort of 8.30. Um, and I'd set my nights on, on, two, on two with them. I'd sort of pick and choose my nights. I'd like, okay, well, here's one of the dinners. I know they'll have a good time. This is where I'm going to have a, a few glasses of reds and watch them dance on the table and, and sing, you know, okay, sarah, sarah. Um, and then all the other nights it would be like, nah, um, I'm going to go on a run. And Strava, strangely enough, um, and this is going to sound so strange, but I find that 
it's so unhealthy, um, like Instagram and Facebook and, and things like that can be often really unhealthy. And for a while, Strava became my, my go-to form of social media, um, which is really strange. But seeing that I had a run in Dubrovnik in one night and then Sarajevo the next night and the next week I'd gone from Madrid to Seville and seeing these tracks that I was running, I'm like, this is cool. Like, this is my yeah. motivation to... I don't, you know, I don't want to sit there and make myself feel depressed that all my mates at home are having a great time, you know, sitting there enjoying themselves and I'm missing out. I'm here. Um, not only that, I'm getting healthy at the same time. So that 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 was a, a, a kind of nice motivation for me there. I'm just... loving hearing about. Sorry, I'm just loving hearing you talk about all this running, Jay. And um, do you mind talk, running us through the half marathon attempt you did in uh, Valencia? It, uh, yeah. it didn't quite go to plan, but you know what? We love that you had a go. So you mind running us through that? Yeah, so um, it was a seventh, eighth half marathon, I suppose, is the best way to describe it uh, in the end. Um, I'd set myself a goal. Um, 2019 was probably the toughest year that I'd, um, that I'd, that I'd have. Um, I was really struggling uh, on a mental um, level. Um, I was just in very negative um i couldn't get out of this rut um and i felt really selfish about it too um being overseas and uh you know going to all these cool places that a lot of people don't get the, the chances to sort of do um I, I but i just couldn't drop it the only time i really could is when i was sort of running and, and enjoying myself so i set myself the goal of uh running a half marathon i started training my times were pretty solid um and I got to race day um and I, I the occasion just got to me a bit um I was running good splits the whole way around about that 4 425 430 mark I got to about 18 k's in and allegedly I started getting a bit of the wobbles uh but I can't remember the last k in a bit um but apparently I sort of had a bit of a wobble and I've hit the ground like a sack of spuds at 19.3 k's uh, and then I sort of woke up um, with a police officer around me a couple of randoms around me um, and my Spanish is only um, beginner I would say and yeah. uh, trying to listen to these people speaking Spanish around me when I've got heat stroke and dehydration I um, yeah. I thought I could have been on the moon for best I knew at that stage but um, yeah look it was something I set myself I didn't quite finish but I was I was quite proud of that I got to that stage and, you know, when COVID finishes, I'm, I'll be back in Valencia to finish that, uh, <laughs> that half marathon. I know. So. <laughs> Mate, good on you for unit to go. I mean, there's not many people that can run 19 Ks in the best of time. So at least you had a crack. That's the sort of attitude we're all about. That was the other thing, Kel, you know, if you told me the year before that, that I was going to run 19 Ks um, at an average of four minute 30 pace, I would have, you know, I would have laughed in your face. I would have said it's impossible. Yeah. When I started running, I, you know, I struggled to run two Ks at, at six minutes sort of thing um, without stopping and and pulling in deep. But like, as I said, I struggled to run a single in our cricket game at one stage. Yeah, so um, right. to get there, I was, like I said, it was, um, yeah, it was still an achievement for me. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. 
how, how did you find the process of sort of building up to that marathon? Was that kind of what you think sort of really helped with, uh, with that sort of rut that you were in was setting those goals and breaking them? Uh, yeah, I think that was my main focus of that year. Cause that's, like I said, that's where I was really struggling. And, and in my head, my big thing was, well, if I can get, if I can do this run, then I've really achieved something. And I was, I was, I was trying to tick off the boxes to make everything else healthy. And then I thought my mind would sort of follow. Cause I thought if I start eating better, that'll help. Um, if I start being more fit, then I think my mind will come along with it. And it wasn't immediate, um, but it did come. Um, and like I said, surrounding myself with those, um, with the, with the right kind of people, I think has, has really, really helped that. Like, there is no day that I look forward to more now than um, line and length um, and the cut that goes on. Like this year, oh, sorry, 2020, when we had our, our last one, um, yeah. I'd been, uh, where was I? I'd come back from, I think, Japan at that stage. I'd got off the plane the night before. Um, I was there for two days. And then straight away, I flew out, like three days later, I flew out, flew out to South America and had to come back up to Gold Coast. And I was that set on getting there just because I knew what a great environment and how much that had helped in past years was. So, um, yeah, like I, I, I can't sort of thank Kel and, and everyone else who's been involved enough to because it, it really has helped probably more than you will even ever know. Um, yeah, and it's just been such such a, a powerful thing for me, and, and I know many others who probably haven't even said it as much as uh, you know as I am right now. So it's really powerful to hear you say that, Jay. I really appreciate that. It's um, definitely a very special thing to me, um, and obviously, it's we've got plans and things going on behind the scenes at the moment. So a few big announcements to come, hopefully. So. And <laughs> certainly do have plenty of fun things uh, in the works. Um, Jay, I want to go back to something you said uh, a while ago, um, specifically around sort of Instagram, Facebook, and sort of social media. Um, you, you said that you started to use Strava as your sort of main social media form because you viewed it a little bit more positively. Um, run us through if you if you can share sort of like why why do you view Facebook and Instagram sort of so negatively? Um, look, it certainly has its uh, positives behind it. There's no doubting that. And it can be a lot of fun and, and I still use it today, but um, I think it's very much got to be in moderation. Um, I think Instagram and Facebook, it certainly paints a picture for, uh, for what's going on, but whether it's the right picture is, is uh is probably something that's up for debate i guess um i think about many times when i was um when i was overseas um and i was posting all these things about you know how great life is look at me um drinking down a glass of red here in italy whatever it happens to be um but a lot of the time what i was posting there and what i was actually feeling was almost the complete opposite um and I found myself at times as well when I was sitting there like quite lonely after a day um because you know although you're surrounded by a lot of people the whole time you don't get a lot of you time and you also don't get to be surrounded by your 
your true friends who are sort of back home. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it can become really lonely sort of. And I found myself sitting there flicking through Instagram, you know, on nights that I wasn't out hour after hour looking at all this stuff. And I'm like, look how happy everyone was. And it just made me more depressed, um, yeah. more, you know, and, and felt like I was really missing out. And um, I just get myself further and further down by doing that. So that was one of the things that I tried to stay away from a little bit. Um, I'd sort of ban, ban myself um, so much from looking at stories. I set myself that I could only ever look at Instagram for a, a max of, I think it was 10 or 15, or I started at 20 minutes and I brought myself down to 15 and brought my then self down to 10. And now I just sort of, you know, I'll do it occasionally to see how everyone's going, but it was it's sort of like, a, oh yeah, that's there as opposed to, oh my gosh, I need to check what everyone else is doing, which is where it became unhealthy. Yeah, I'm the same, Jay, in terms of um, limiting my social media time with Facebook and Insta. So I've only got it on my iPad. So I don't, obviously I don't carry my iPad around everywhere. So I'm limited to, if I go on social media, specifically when I'm on my iPad, but just, I find that makes me more aware of on it. On it. And you're right, like when you're on it, like it, once you've finished doing your scrolling on Facebook or Insta, you don't feel any better, do you? No. You never come out feeling better. No. That, that's why I've limited mine. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm right there with you, Kel. Like, I'm, I can't think of one time when I sort of sat there and thought, oh, yeah, geez, geez I feel so much better about myself. And <laughs> I agree. Um, that, you know, that was, that's a, a problem in a lot of it. And as I said, it does hold its purpose because sometimes you get on and, you know, I could see a photo of you two boys together and I'm like, awesome. You know, yeah. Aiden and Kel's together, having a great time. Love that. But once you've seen every single one of your mates, what looks like having the best time, you go, well, I'm not having that best time, am I? You know, so, um, yeah, that's why I think limiting it down is probably a good way to do it. Yeah. You, you mentioned as well that, um, you know, when you're on Kentucky, you're kind of surrounded by all of these people, but you don't always feel like you're, you know, sometimes you can still feel alone, even though you are surrounded by those people. How did you... How did you kind of get around that? Like you, you're doing this sort of as your career. How do you um, get yourself through those moments? Um, originally, uh, I drank way too much. Is uh, is how I did, and uh, that's not particularly healthy. Um, you know, I to mask probably um, some of the the feelings that I had, um, or to block out something. It was just drink, drink until I black out, and wake up in the next morning and I assume I had a good time and, you know, do it all again. Um, and, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a real funny one because you are surrounded by people, but a lot of the time, I've said this to a few mates before, a lot of the time it does feel like the most lonely job in the world. Um, and um, I think trying to keep in contact with uh, with like I said, surrounding yourself with the right people and keeping in contact with the, again, the right people is good. I, I started um, at the start of last year, um, or sorry, the end of sort of last, uh, the end of 2019, I started speaking to um, you know, a professional in terms of um, like a psychologist, um, just because I couldn't break the cycle. Um, and I felt really nervous about doing that at first. 
um, but hearing and speaking to people, um, you know, like at line and length and other people probably probably made me realise it's it's nothing to be embarrassed about. You know, I've loved yeah. what's been said in previous podcasts and at the days themselves. Um, again, I, and I know you've mentioned a couple of times, was it whether it was Jackie G that said your brain's a, you know, your brain's a muscle as well, and that sort of needs to be fixed. I think it was him. I can't exactly remember. Um, and it's just so true. Um, I wouldn't be embarrassed if I, you know, pull the hamstring. It's just something that happens kind of thing. So why be embarrassed if my brain isn't, you know, I pulled a string on my brain. Yeah, um, that's what, as I said, in, I've said this in a previous episode, um, we want... We want a discussion about going to this, um, going to the psychologist, to be as common as a discussion about going to the physio. Mm. That's sort of a goal for this, I guess, podcast and normalisation of conversations around this whole area of mental health. Certainly, certainly, just because you know, Jay, you've mentioned things here that are slightly different from the way that you know previous boys, such as uh, we had Bear, we had Charlie Newton, Lombi. Um, they've all mentioned different strategies on how they've dealt with mental their mental health issues and you've come up with different ones yourself and, and that's you know what works for one person might not work for another person but hey if we're all sort of talking about it then you know there's different strategies out there that might work for everyone and you know what works for me might work for you and if it doesn't then cool is there something that I may have heard about that that could help that and you know that's what we're trying to do here. And I think one of the other things as well that um, probably a lot of the things and even some of my actions that I was that I was doing during those times and I probably wasn't even aware of them were a, were a call out for help. Um, and a lot of people, because there is a stigma still around mental health, although it is getting better, people don't quite recognise and realise that those that what is being done or what's going on is a bit of a call out for help and part of something like this which i think is just so cool uh, is, is educating people and helping them to realize these sort of things so when someone gets to that stage where they are really struggling and they might not say hey look i'm struggling it might be in a different way that someone else can recognize and go hey look kel looks like he's struggling aiden looks like he's struggling why don't i go up and see if he's all right or if there's something else yeah. that we can do um, and i think that's that's such an awesome part of the message that that this podcast and line and link does because it is making it uh, much more real and, and sort of bringing it out into um, society more and more. Cause I know when it first came along, I, I'm, I, I hate to say it, but I sort of was in that kind of like, Oh, you know, someone's playing, you'd see professional sports and I'm like, someone's playing the mental health card. Um, what's that kind of thing. And that was just naivety on my point, yeah. on my part sort of thing. And the more we can get it out there, the, the more people can sort of understand that there's um, there's a lot more to it, I think. Mate, you said, something pretty, interesting. You said something pretty interesting there about um, sort of there were points in time where you think that they were cries for help, whether you noticed them or not. With sort of hindsight looking back, would you care to share uh, any of those that stood out for you that you think that were calls for help without you actually calling for help? Um, yeah, I probably um, I can I can remember one particular incident. It was only um, sort of at the start or towards the end of um, 2019. Again, I 
I, um, I was sort of coming back to, I was going to come back to Australia around uh, my birthday, which would have been my 30th birthday. And I spoke to two pretty close mates at the time. Um, and I knew they were going to be in Melbourne. Um, and I said, well, I'll fly down and I'll fly down and see you. We'll all be together. It'll be great kind of thing. And, and their response um, was like, oh, we're actually busy that day, but we'd like to, um, what, why don't we catch up a little bit later on? And instead of me being quite reasonable and going, oh, yeah, that's fair enough, um, I sort of took it as like, what's wrong with me? Why won't you hang out with me on my birthday? I made it an absolutely massive deal, um, acted like a bit of a pork chop, and, um, and sort of that friendship, uh, those friendships with those people sort of has been tarnished a little bit. Um, yeah. And it's, it's really regrettable um, sort of looking back on it now because there were two people that I, I genuinely loved and, and still do today. Um, but because of how I kind of acted and it wasn't like, you know, it wasn't me sort of taking a step back and being like, well, hang on, this is a really reasonable thing that they're saying. I, I, you know, I, I just couldn't understand that it wasn't like, I, you know, I thought they were rejecting me. And that's not what they were doing at all. It was, uh, it was, you know, just a reasonable excuse for what was going on. Um, like I said, it's something I've never spoken about that probably out loud before. Um, but um, yeah, it's 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 certainly something that I recognise probably the more as time's gone on. No, that, thank you for sharing that, mate. Um, yeah. Sticking yeah. on the topic of kind of hindsight, um, knowing everything that you know now, what would you? What a piece of advice, single piece of advice would you give yourself as a teenager? Uh, that's a really good question. Um, as a teenager, um, I, I'd say maybe, uh, first of all, don't be too hard on yourself. Um, we can often be our own worst enemies. Um, and a lot of us, and I know in, myself included, are our own harshest critics. And often a lot of those things that we're so harsh to ourselves about, there's nothing that we can do. It might be time or circumstance that's against us. Um, yeah, and, and, and the more that life goes on, I'm trying to have that kind of philosophy. I know that, you know, with the half marathon, for example, um, I look at that and if, you know, different times and, you know, even at that initial time, I was like, oh, my God, I'm a failure. I can't believe I finished it. It's so embarrassing. But the more... I took it that I was like, now this is a lesson I can learn. Look how yeah, far I've gotten. Right. This is great. But next time I can go back. So, not being too harsh on yourself and sort of, um, I, I think that would probably be the the best bit of advice to give eighteen year old my eighteen year old self. So Jay, what's this whole podcast experience taught you about yourself? Yeah, it's a yeah, it's a good question, Kel. Um, I think it's probably taught about me and, and probably everyone um, that although we're all the same kind of people, um, you know, and we're all the, the people that we know that we can certainly have um, like a different variety of levels, um, which is like a really good thing. Um, like, you know, you're still, as I, you know, Kelly, you're still the same awesome bloke, you know, laughable, the first bloke, just always a smile on your face kind of thing, but there's a much sort of deeper kind of side I think yeah. Aiden on that on that same kind of level as well. Um, 
you know, going from what I knew of you at uni in terms of like, yeah, always up for a beer, ready to go to this much more poignant and, and someone who's um, not that you weren't, like I said, ever caring, but just like really sort of caring and, and very, um, you know, someone who challenges you kind of thing. I think seeing that and same with myself, like I've always more been that loud over the top kind of personality and not that I'm not loud now, but someone who can sort of go that little bit deeper. Um, and I think the whole line and length experience, not just this podcast, but that taught me that because I probably didn't know, um, you know, I knew that I was emotional. Uh, I always known that I'm pretty emotional, but I probably didn't know I had as many levels as, uh, as I did now. And, and I just, as I said, the whole, whole line and length experience has just been so yeah so great um and i get so excited anytime there's an event that comes up or i get to catch up with someone or you know even if it could be just as simple as reaching out to someone who's been on the podcast or someone i haven't spoken to in a while like got to see the um the cohen boys the other week and just had a catch up with them about their you know not only their life but their mental health and stuff as well so yeah um, it's brought just a whole new dimension to a lot of our friendships, which is which is awesome. Really, yeah, really cool. Jay, you're exactly right. Like something I've found is like this whole mental health discussion and conversation that we're opening up. I'm I'm literally seeing a complete other side to every single one of like my friends, you know, that I didn't know that was there. This this deeper side to them. Um, you are so spot on the money there um, with that statement. It's really something. Um, that I'm, you know, really happy about, and I really, I really enjoy it as well. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree, mate. It's just, it's great. Um, it's still the same people that you know and love, but that's right. To learn yeah. the complexities about them, that yeah, you probably didn't know from, you know, whether it be the, the footy field or, uh, um, you know, the the dorm or whatever it happens to be, and it's, it's, yeah. it's really cool. Yeah. Jay, before we uh, before we let you go and we stop pestering you with all the questions that we've got, um, <laughs> Kels, Kels was telling me you're going through a little bit of a rough time with your partner at the moment about getting a visa. Uh, how how's that been weighing on you, mate? I wouldn't say it's a rough time. Um, I, I probably, if you looked at it, maybe in terms of previously how I'd looked at things, um, I would have looked at it as a rough time. Um, but I look at it as, as something that's really quite positive um, now. Um, so I've been with my partner now for just over a year, Liz, um, who will probably have a listen to this at some point as well. Um, she's been a, a massive, massive person in my life that's, that's helped me in a lot of ways. Um, she was one of the uh, people who made it so easy to, to talk to about probably my struggles with mental health and um didn't sort of, you know, whether, you know, I don't, wouldn't say that people laugh at those kind of things, but really kind of took the time to listen to me and um, probably saw those cries for help that I was talking about, but didn't before. Mm. So we've now, she was over here for six months. Um, we went from sort of zero to hero where we we're sort of living together after, you know, um, we went, skipped the dating phase and just went straight to living with one another and, um, now we're looking at getting a, a visa for her to come over here. And, and at times it's tough. Um, I wish she was here every day. I'm, I miss her and, and all. Um, but the idea that I'm going to get to spend the rest of my life with her eventually is the thing that sort of drives me. So, um, and, and knowing as well, 
that there's other people out there that probably are going through much tougher situations than I am. Um, you know, I try not to sort of weigh down on woe is me kind of thing. I try to look at it like how exciting is it going to be when she gets to move over to Australia, the, the best country in the world. Um, yeah, yeah, we better we better tell the listeners where Liz actually is. Oh, yeah, sorry. So she's, she's from the States. She'll probably... She'll probably hear this and be like, is, is Australia the best country in the world? So, uh, yeah, I, I, haven't quite got a, I haven't quite got a thinking it's the best country in the world yet. But, um, um, yeah, she's, she's making the big move to come over here. And um, oh, I'm just I'm so pumped for it. I can't wait to the day that we're back together. So hopefully I'll get to see her in the States first. Then everything, all the visa stuff's approved. We're going to be submitting physically all our documents probably tonight or tomorrow. And then uh, just it's the waiting process from there um, the, to hope she gets approved. And um, she's one of the good ones from the States. So it should be all good. <laughs> Jay, I can, um, Jay, I can only imagine what it's like doing this whole long distance through this whole COVID period, the, the stress and the anxiety of that. So I guess for the listeners, I did, my story is I did long distance last year. I was living in Wagga. My partner was in Darwin and we were both school teachers. So every school holidays, we'd sort of, um, we'd spend each, each holidays together and we'd have to, you know, find, I guess, loopholes in state law so we could legally um, see each other. But what's that like? And I, like, I know that that from a personal experience caused me so much anxiety and like, Christ, am I actually going to get to see her these holidays? Like I was checking the news, like constantly, like every every couple of hours to see if there'd been an outbreak or a, a border closure or something along those lines. That's just in the same country, mate. It must be tough doing the whole Australia, USA long distance thing with this whole COVID thing going wild. Yeah. Well, I'd actually be interested to hear a little bit from you too, Kel. Um, uh, just after this um because yeah. i'm sure you've probably experienced a lot of the things that um that i have um there's a hell of a lot of frustration yeah. um uh with you know yeah. different governments there's um uh there's the the, the the and the most frustration i think comes from the the not knowing um yeah you know as an aussie right now i struggle to get my head around the idea of like well, if I want to go over here and say, you know, I'll be over here for X amount of time until I come, that I can't even do that. Like that is, I really struggle to, to grasp that. And I know Liz struggles to grasp with that too. Um, but I think the biggest way that we get through is by trying to talk those things out. And by looking at the end goal um, as well. Because um, we have, we, you know, we have our little tiffs and fights. No, like to be honest, nowhere near as much as I thought we would, considering that yeah. we're doing this. Yeah. Um, but um, to talk things out and sort of try to make it, you know, each other realize each other's points, and then try to be like, well, yep, this is bad now, but look how good it's going to be in the future, and all that. That's that's the main thing that we're trying to focus on. Um, and the end goal, like you're, Kel, I'm so pumped for you now because you're yeah. at that end goal. You know, you're, you're yeah. there in Darwin, you've moved up with your partner, you look yeah. happy as Larry, you're probably... <laughs> Thanks, mate. You're probably, 
you're probably sweating more than any other man has ever sweat up during Darwin as well. Oh, but, constantly um, heavy sweat on this bloke. <laughs> but um, but you know, seeing you know, you know, seeing something like you and being at the angle, that's something that drives me as well. You know, um, so and that's and that's all we can do because at the moment, yeah. you know, if I get myself worried, if I get myself anxious, if I get myself, I try to bring that back. And yeah. I'm so lucky to have a partner who's been so supportive and, and helps me get to those realizations when I have my rant about, oh, I can't believe the Queensland government shutting everything down again or whatever I have, my rant happens yeah. to be on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, Jay, one of the things I found helped me was just, you know, had you had to be, you had to be honest with not just your partner, but with the friends around you, like being honest in terms of if you're lonely, say that you're lonely. Like I was vocalizing that to my close circle of friends in Wagga life. I just feel lonely without her around me. And that's sort of something that I guess in the past would have been seen as a bit of a weakness, like harden up or you'd be right. But you know what? I was, and that's how I felt. So I, I vocalized that. Yeah. Yeah. Man, super, super good point. You know, that it's, it's in certain stages, there's, it's all good to have the, the macho kind of culture, but I think standing, standing up for what you actually kind of, believe like when someone uh, something as simple i know you talked about like the vodka water and the vodka soda things um yeah. in that kind of regard like i'll sit there and someone might be like oh you know look at you you're, you're fairy you're drinking vodka sodas and i'm like i like the taste and that's fine by me so you can enjoy yeah. your beer and that's cool and or even like yeah. you know poking fun at those kind of situations because we feel what we feel and that's yeah. not going to change. So, um, yeah, I, I totally agree with you there, mate. I think it's a great way to do it. All right, guys. I think that's uh, it's a really nice place to kind of wrap this up. Um, Jay, mate, thank you so much for coming on and sharing such a wide variety of stories. I think this is this is probably going to be the longest podcast we've had so far. And, and it feels like yeah. we definitely could have continued on for, you know, a couple of longer hours. Um, yeah, so- Sorry about that, boys. Uh, I've been known to talk, so. <laughs> mate. For those for the for the people listening, it, we're recording at night, and it's just gone longer and longer. Jay, it's sort of got that feel of a, a Leighton Hewitt Australian Open tennis match. Five set up, put the coffee on. <laughs> yeah, it could have, could have gone for a little bit longer. You're sitting there going like, "Come on, it's got to end," but it's all right. But oh, I'm really cool. loving it. <laughs> Jay, thanks oh, once again, mate. Um, I really, really appreciate you sort of sharing all your stories and sort of to those listening that, uh, you know, are inspired by what Jay said or anyone else that we've had on our podcast. If you want to be a part of this, please reach out to either myself or Kels. Um, we would love to yeah. sort of have anyone on to tell their story and to share what they're comfortable sharing. And, yeah. uh, you know, Jay, I, I'm hoping that you can attest to the fact that we create a pretty, pretty fun environment to have a bit of a chat in and, and sort of catch up and, you know, I look forward to, to the many more podcasts I, I get to put out with Kels and, and Jay, you as well. I'm sure yeah. that we're going to have a follow-up episode where we get to chat about even more stuff. And Absolutely. You know, that's it from us here at uh, This Is Like Your Line and Length. And, uh, you know, stay tuned next week and we'll, we'll have our next episode up. Thanks so much, boys. Legends. Good on you, Jay. This episode of This Is Your Line and Length was brought to you by Pick a Financial Solutions. Pick a Financial Solutions can help you with your financial well-being. This includes restructuring your finances, purchasing your first home, or purchasing an investment property. 
To reach out to Picker Financial Solutions, see the links in this episode's notes. If this podcast has made you realize that you or a friend would benefit from having a chat, please don't hesitate to reach out to experts like Lifeline, Beyond Blue, or Medical Professional. In the meantime, take care, look after your lid, and look forward to the next episode of This Is Your Line and Length.